0: Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by Emily Dickinson. It's been a while since I have read an Emily Dickinson poem on this podcast and probably something I need to do, I don't know, like once a month or whatever. So it is time to do so. And the poem that I'm going to read today is called I Died for Beauty But Was Scarce. Dickinson lived from 1830 to 1886. She was an American poet. As you know, one of the, if not the most famous of all American poets. So this is how it goes. I died for beauty, but was scarce adjusted in the tomb when one who died for truth was lain in an adjoining room. He questioned softly why I failed. For beauty, I replied. And I, for truth, themselves are one, we brethren are, he said. And so, as kinsmen met a night, we talked between the rooms, until the moss had reached our lips and covered up our names. In their book, The Making of a Poem, under Anthology of Poetic Forms, Mark Strand and Avon Boland talk about this poem. And they say this, so there's two paragraphs here I want to read. I I just think they can, uh, you know, as I've said in the past, say what I would like to say uh, precisely and much more eloquently. So this is what they say in this book. Dickinson was a superb technician, original, volatile, and explosive in her arrangements of language and image. But perhaps her most distinguishing strength is the perfect timing of the quatrains she used, These four-line charges carried the force of her vision. They were perfectly and intuitively spaced, achieving maximum drama between stanza and stanza. I died for beauty, but was scarce, is a case in point. The big, colorful argument she is making, a poignant update on Keats' claim for the relation between the two, is achieved in terms of three taut stanzas the drama unfolds as a suppressed narrative. Who are these two people, this man and woman who have lost their opportunities and become siblings and not lovers in death? This is a case in which the hidden story is superbly counterpointed by these powerful heraldic stanzas. The questions are also maintained by the quick-fire music and dramatic closure of each stanza. End quote. You can see what they're talking about in, um, in the first line, even, in the way that she shapes her lines. She's famous for the dashes that show up in her poems and they confuse a lot of people. I think really the key is to slow down, to read it a couple of times, to listen to um, the music, uh, to, to read it a couple of times in different ways until you kind of settle into what she's doing. Um, I always have to do that before I read a, a Dickinson poem. I read it out loud a couple of times before I get on, you know, on the mic here and, and record even though I have an editor, Logan, shout out to Logan, who can clean up my mistakes, I try to, to, to read it ahead of time because of the way her lines work. So for example, you know, her titles throw you off a little bit. I Died for Beauty, Dash, But Was Scarce, is one of those titles that almost keeps you from diving into the flow of the poem when you actually do get into the poem itself. So I Died for Beauty, But Was Scarce is easy to run together into one line, you know, to I mean it is one line, but to, to run it to run it together too much. Whereas right in the middle of it, she puts that dash. She's beginning a new thought. So it forces you to 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 focus on this idea, I died for beauty, right off the bat. Your instinct is to keep going. You know, your instinct as a reader of poetry is to just keep going and get into that scarce part. But you have to stop there and you have to think about this concept of I died for beauty. And then she gives us the next bit of that line, pushed together with the next line. There's enjambment there. But was scarce adjusted in the tomb. So the scarce goes not with the dying for beauty, but the being adjusted in the tomb. And that's the kind of adjustment that Dickinson forces you to make. Um, it creates um, dissonance, which then the poem seeks to resolve or Um, Even if it's resolving it by asking, forcing you to ask new questions. She doesn't always give you the answer. In fact, rarely does she, I think, give you an answer um, or a true resolution to the dissonance she creates. But she creates this formal dissonance or this dissonance through the formal elements of the poem that forces you to pay really close attention. Uh, and it's very skilled in how she does it. It's quite simple um, in a sense, but it's also very complicated. It seems simple. Um, but I, you know, maybe go try Try it. <laughs> see see if you can pull it off the way she does. She does it throughout the poem. You know, these dashes are in between thoughts. They're, they sometimes make you question who's speaking at any given time. Um, and then in the end, does she resolve it for you? I don't know if she does. I'll, I'll leave you to think about that. But the uh, the formal aspects of her work are what creates the dissonance which the rest of the poem forces you to to seek to resolve. I think a lot of the times she's she's asking us to ask questions, to, to ruminate with her. She's asking us to just sort of settle in and be with the poem for a while and the form forces that upon you. You cannot, you know, rush in and out of an Emily Dickinson poem. So here is one more time, I Died for Beauty But Was Scarce by Emily Dickinson. I Died for Beauty but was scarce adjusted in the tomb when one who died for truth was lain in an adjoining room. He questioned softly why I failed. For beauty, I replied, and I for truth. himself are one, we brethren are, he said. And so as kinsmen met a knight, we talked between the rooms, until the moss had reached our lips and covered up our names this has been the daily poem thanks so much for listening to me back tomorrow with another poem for you